I want to welcome you. We're, we're too, you know, empowered, which is our series that we've been doing for, I think it was right about when Jesus came is when we started the series. <laughs> I'm thinking that we're going to get raptured out of here or something else before we get done with it, okay? But uh, the idea is, is it's the Holy Spirit coming down upon us in order that, the God, that God himself might move through us to do whatever the Lord wants to do. And the way that we're doing that is, is we're looking at the book of Luke. And in Luke, what we see is, is Jesus raising up disciples. And what we're doing in this series is we're saying the same way that Jesus raised up his disciples in that day is the same way he's going to raise it up in our day. And we have seen in powerful ways, amazing ways, even this journey of the first uh, nine chapters or so of the book were what we called college, where they watched what Jesus did. And we saw him doing that and teaching us and showing us and doing lots of things. But then we've sort of gone into the master's level. And you guys have seen what the Lord has been doing in the master's level stuff. You've seen the way that he's been making the stuff that he's talking about real in our lives, in our ministries, even, even things like uh, tongue and interpretation this morning. All the way through, God is teaching us what this stuff really is and how it is. And we are very much in the heart of this master's program. But let me say, we're in a seminar today. Okay? This is one where, you know, every once in a while, even at a master's level, you need to sit down and learn from somebody who's smarter, who knows more, who's been there. And so we're sitting in a seminar today, and we're going to be talking about something, which let me just put it this way is not something that people want to talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking about delivering from spirits, delivering from demons. Now, inside these walls, we don't have any trouble talking about it. Jesus delivered people from demons. We just skip right on, go right over it, no problem, right? But, but I, want us to, I want us to own for a second something about us and Christianity and all that. And that is that there are some things that feel real natural and normal and right in here. By the way, if you're not a Christian and you're visiting, second time I'm saying it, welcome. Lovely to have you here. But I want to say, as Christians, we will, we just, let me, let me give you this scenario that I think will bring out what I'm trying to say here, which is we're embarrassed about this. Honest to goodness, there's an embarrassment factor in this. Watch this. Let's just say you work at, at, I don't know, a small little company like Microsoft, and you, you just shipped, and, you know, you got a team of six to eight people, and, you know, it's a nice afternoon, and you work over there in Redmond, and you go to Azteca, where we do our men's group, and, you know, for lunch and so on, and you just say, you know what, let's just take the time, guys, let's do some team building, let's do team morale, let's just head over to Azteca, let's have a beer, let's eat some food, whatever, let's just bond and get to know each other, right? So you head over to Azteca, you sit down, you start to have the meal, and all of a sudden, not, you know, there's always one person in eight that is just obnoxious about their anti-Christianism, right? And they're just going to point their finger and be mad about it and all that. We're not talking about that kind of person. We're talking about the kind of person who's, who does not believe, and they have their reasons why, and they're thoughtful about it, and they're respectful of other human beings and so on. But let's just say that there's a movie out about some sort of demonic stuff and, and, you know, all this nonsense that goes on in the movies. That are just, it's just stupid. But the bottom line is, is that it comes up in the conversation and all of a sudden, this guy, now, are you in the scene? He's on scene. Are we in this moment now? 
You're in the moment. You're a Microsoft employee. You're at a, a morale event. You're the only Christian sitting there. Everybody knows you're a Christian. And by the way, if you go out with eight people that you work with and they don't know that you're a Christian, would you please talk to me after the service? Because <laughs> we got something much more fundamental to do than what we're talking about today, okay? All right? But they know that you're a Christian. And so as the conversation goes on, this person in a genuine way asks you this question. With all the advances that we've made in understanding psychological illnesses, including all the medicines that we can now give to someone to help correct how the brain is working so they don't suffer nearly as much and sometimes not at all, how can anyone believe that demonic, there are demonic spirits out there that can inhabit or possess a person and mess them up? Now understand more deeply what the question is. You know that Bible stuff about Jesus delivering people from demons? That's an anachronism, right? You know what anachronism means? It's something out of time. That was, that's what people used to believe. But then we got psychology and medicines, and we started correcting things. And here's what people will say. Not just people, Christians. will say, you know, a lot of that was psychological. Not demonic. It was psychological. So you, see what the, you see what the question is? And now you're sitting in front of other smart people that you respect and you want them to respect you and so on, and you're supposed to give an answer because they're asking you a real question. How can you believe in that stuff when this is what's really going on? We've kind of disproven all of that stuff because of this. You see it? Now, how do you answer that? How, I'm, not, I'm not, normally we would have people say stuff, but we're, we're doing something different tonight, today. So, But do you see what I'm saying? Do you see how you would have a little problem answering it? In fact, if you start thinking about what your answer would be, do you see how there's a part of you that kind of wants to avoid it? Paul talks about the body having certain things about it that are unseemly, and we want to cover them up. Okay? So this is real. And this is one of those areas where, you know, it's kind of like, what do you say and how do you handle it? And, you know, what do you do? You know what I mean? Well, I want to bring this question from there where we kind of had some indication of some issue. And I want to bring it back to here. Now we're inside these four walls again and we're talking, most of us as Christians. And I want to ask you another question, all right? We believe in healing, right? We, we believe in doing what Jesus did. That's what we're learning how to do in power. We've been doing it forever. We're trying to do what Jesus did, Right? So then let me ask you the question. When was the last time you saw any Christian delivering someone else from a demon? Can I make it clear right now? Here's what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about the exorcist or poltergeist or something. I'm not talking about some priest with holy water that boils and Bibles that smoke and crosses that leave uh, burns on your skin and stuff like that. I'm not talking about ridiculousness. I'm not talking about stupid worldly thoughts about what this is about. What I am talking about is the reality that Jesus wasn't so stupid that he didn't understand psychological illnesses and that there were some people that were being afflicted by demonic activity. In fact, let me make it clear where I'm going today. Every single one of you multiple times a day is being influenced, afflicted by. You'll see it when we get going. Remember Peter talking to Jesus and telling him, Jesus says, I'm going to go die. And Peter says, nay, it never be. And what does Jesus say to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> right? He was talking to Peter. You know, is that oppression? Who cares? Okay? Here's what matters. 
What matters is, is Peter was being influenced. Peter was being a mouthpiece for something that wasn't godly. It wasn't God's plan, right? And so what I'm asking is, is when was the last time you saw anybody delivering somebody else or even trying? It doesn't happen, does it? And if it does happen, we still make an almost exorcist kind of thing out of it by making it some big deal, which, by the way, Jesus never did, nor Paul, nor Peter, nor John. Never. They didn't make a big deal about it. When they saw it, they did something, that was it. It was over. So I just want us to get a hold of something as we do Empowered. And we're in, a, like I say, we are in an area here that's interesting. And interesting is a euphemism for lots of different thoughts about this. <laughs> right? And what I mean to say by that is there's some people in here who have great experience with this. And I'm going to say some things that are going to challenge some things that have become uh, the sort of Christian way of thinking about these things that isn't necessarily biblical. But I'm just as heavily, if not more so, actually challenging people that think that this just isn't relevant for today. This is completely relevant for today in ways that are much more at play all the time than any of us knows, and that's where we're going. But let me just say, what we're trying to do is, truly, truly, says Jesus, I say to you, Whoever believes in me also, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. That's not just healing, which we're happy to pray for and explain to people at the table. That's this deliverance. That's this thing about demonic. Okay? And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Okay? So we all good? We got it? We get where we're going? Let me just give you one last principle that's going to be important for us. What I'm going to try and do today is I'm going to try and let you see how common this is. And I want you to see that if you start understanding this in the small ways, then God will bring you into the bigger ways as he needs to. I want you to start understanding how common it is so that you understand how easy it is, so that you understand how not that big of a deal it is, so that you get comfortable, so that when you're sitting at that table, you can say something like this to that person. I'm not stupid. I'm, I, I, you know, I, I get that there's psychology and medicines that have made enormous differences in people's lives. Thank God for that. I believe that to be part of what God does in bringing us understanding about the body and the brain and all that. And I'm very thankful for all those advances that have been made. But here's the, also the truth. To say that every time that that's always psychological is just as much an error to say that it was never psychological. Jesus wasn't saying that it was never psychological by delivering people. He wasn't delivering people with psychological issues. He was healing them. But there is this thing in the world that goes on that's influential, that makes a difference in people's lives. And most people, if not done in a kooky way, most people will quite naturally see it and recognize it in their lives. They'll recognize that there are things that are influencing people in ways that aren't good, that aren't full. Now, again, if you don't believe in any of the spiritual things, I get that that sounds not right to you. But there's a lot of people that understand that there are other things going on in our lives than just the stuff that we see and get. You see, now, now what a reasonable answer that was. I didn't embarrass myself with my boss or my team. I made it clear to them that Jesus knew the difference between psychology and demonic and that there's something that he was trying to show us about that so that we could help people and make their lives better. See it? There's a way to do this that's real. 
That's not embarrassing. That's important. That's what we're going to do today. Who's praying for us? Dave Cosby. What a great person to do this one. Dave Cosby. Man, have you seen some stuff in your life? You know? So pray for us. And pray for another church too, would you? Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit and the involvement here in this church. I pray that you'd continue to guide the staff, that we would learn to be doing what it is that you want us to do. Father, I pray that you would speak through Kurt today, that everybody would open their ears, that they would hear, and that their spirit would allow you to teach them. Father, I pray for New Hope down in Vancouver, and that you would bless that church. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. And a double blessing on it since it's your son pastoring it. All right. I'm going to read you the passage where we are in Luke. This is where we are. I'm going to read you the whole passage, and then we're going to go back and deconstruct it. But understand, we're trying to keep this simple. So watch. One day Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. When the demon was gone, the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed, but some of them said, no wonder he can cast out demon. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Others, trying to test Jesus, demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. He knew their thoughts, so he said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding falls apart. You, Sam, empowered by Satan, but if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can the kingdom survive? His kingdom survive. And if I'm empowered by Satan... What have I grown exorcists? They cast out demons too, so they'll condemn you for what you have said. But if I'm casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. And when a strong man like Satan is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe. Until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons, and carries off his belongings. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that its former home is all swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. And let me say... When we get done with today, I think you're going to be able to say something that I said when I first looked at this. One of the reasons why Jesus stands the test of time is because nobody answered issues like he did. The fullness and the depth, the completeness with which he answered stands not just for the audience 2,000 years ago, but it stands just as valid for us right here, right, here, right now today. And the depth of it is unbelievable. So let's go look at some of the depth. Okay, here. One day Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. When the demon was gone, the man began to speak. Where's our first little hiccup here? We're doing a soap. We're looking for the road. We're looking for the speed bump. Where's the speed bump here? If somebody asked you to come and pray for somebody that couldn't speak, what would you pray for? Healing. Would you pray for him to be delivered from a demon? Definitely not. <laughs> right? Because our understanding would be you can't speak because it's physical, and so you need to be healed. So here's our first principle. We're going to work some principles up today, right? Here we go. We need to discern what's actually needed. Today, during prayer, 
we prayed for somebody who was having a, quite a physical problem and, and everything else. And she came back there, and I grabbed her, and she came back, and we were praying for her. I'm not saying who it is, but, but I want to say the people that were praying for me, the Yalkoskis, and I loved what Jenny did because she modeled exactly what I'm going for right now. What Jenny did was is she took time and she prayed quite a bit before she ever opened her mouth to pray. She was asking the Lord what to pray for. Because you see, here's how God tells us about us. The Holy Spirit helps in our weaknesses. We don't know what God wants us to pray for. Is it deliverance? Is it healing? What is it? We don't know anything. We're weak. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in word. This is tongues or all praying in the Spirit, right? And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. You see what's happening? The Holy Spirit is God. He knows what needs to happen. And that's the same thing he did with Jesus. He revealed to him, this is deliverance, not healing. And so Jesus prayed for him to be delivered. See? The Father knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit's saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. So here's what I'm saying. And this is the most important thing about any kind of prayer. If you've been asked to pray for somebody, if you feel like you're supposed to pray for somebody, the first thing you ought to do is ask the Lord how. What? The first thing you have to do is bend your knee and humble yourself and ask him, what do you want me to pray for and how do you want me to pray for it? <laughs> right? So this is a big principle. But we can move on from that because we get it, right? So here we go. The crowds were amazed. But some of them said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Now, let's take this one seriously. Uh, Jesus, in talking about this in another place, not this particular example, but another example where people were saying what he was doing was being done by Satan, not God, right? What he says is, he says, be really careful here. Because think about who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is that person in the world that's convicting you of right and wrong. This is one place where it says this. When the Helper comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of what? Can you say that again louder? The Spirit of what? So what he's bringing us is truth. This is whether you're a Christian or not, right? He brings truth in our conscience. This is good, that's bad. He proceeds from the Father, he'll bear witness about me, and when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now let me, see, let me show you what I'm talking about. See, the Holy Spirit comes and says, sexual purity is important. And the world says, somebody that doesn't know God, in fact, increasing numbers of Christians, say, no, you got to understand. That sexuality is just physical. There's nothing more to it. It's just physical. You know, you can sleep with somebody and not love them. It's just physical. You have a physical need. Right? This is how the world's going. Now, by the way, that's what Hollywood is trying to say all Americans are like. The fact of the matter is it's still a minority in the country, but it's growing. The number of people that say this, and frankly, the number of Christians that buy into it in some fashion because it works out well for what they want, is right? So here's what we do. See, now watch what, how it works in the conscience. This is what Romans 1 says. It says, what you do is there's a truth. The Holy Spirit's bringing you a truth, something that's true. And then you push the truth away, and then you get confused, deceived. 
When you push the truth away, you end up not in the truth. You end up somewhere else, right? So what the world says is, the Holy Spirit says, so this, you know, sexual purity is important. And you say, nah, that's just, you know, Freud discovered a long time ago. That's just this overbearing dad, super ego telling you stuff that's just moral and who cares, right? That's just, a, that's just an anachronistic, fancy, who cares what this is. See what I mean? That's not true. So when you hear that in your head, what you say is, nah. And when you hear, you see, and you hear the opposite the same way as, yeah. What God said not to do, you start saying in your head, whenever I hear that, I go, I don't agree with that. I think something else. And in so doing, you're pushing the truth away, and you're becoming deceived. You see it? Now, if the Holy Spirit's the one that's going to save you, and what you're doing is taking all the things that he says and turning it around to be something good when he says it's bad and bad when he says it's good, well, then how are you going to get saved? How are you ever going to come to him? This is where he talks about, be careful when you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because it goes to the unpardonable sin. Which is not unpardonable because God can't forgive it. It's unpardonable because you'll never come to a place of repentance about it. Because you won't think it's bad. Did I get too confusing there? So do we need to do a calisthenic? Okay. What I want you to understand is, as he's saying right now, be careful. When you start saying this kind of stuff, be careful. So let me tell you our principle two from this one. We need to spend so much time with God that when we hear his voice leading, we know it's him and not something or someone else. <laughs> this is really simple, right? It turned out not to be very complicated at all, right? I can tell you, you guys have heard me talk about devotionals. If you've been here 17 years, Eric Lee, how many times have I talked about devotionals in 17, 18 years? Yeah, it'd be in the thousands, if not tens of thousands at this point. I don't know if you can get that high, but I think we're probably there. I talk about devotionals all the time, and here's why. When I go out and spend time with God in the morning, when I'm in his word, and then I spend time talking to him, throughout the rest of my day, when I hear things, I know whether it sounds like God or not, because I'm used to what God sounds like. When I miss a few days, I get more iffy about what's God and what's not. Because, the, you know, the what's not sounds a lot like what is. See it? And then I start getting confused. And I get unsure of myself. I'm just telling you, it's the most important thing. Spend time with God. The more time that you spend with him, the more you'll be certain about things. Are you walking around in a place where you, you feel confused? You don't know what to do. You don't know a decision. You don't know whatever. I'm telling you right now, here's how to beat that. Start doing devotionals every morning. Within a week or two, you will know without any, any real doubt. Not that you won't still try and fake it so that you can get away with it. But you'll know what's right and what's wrong. Because you'll have spent that time with God. Okay? All right? Now, let's go to number three. Others trying to test Jesus demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. You remember this one, right? This is where the, uh, the, the, they're coming to him here, but they're all, they also come to him at one point in time and they say, you know, Jesus has just walked on water, healed a woman with an issuance of blood, done all of these incredible miracles, and then they say, prove it. And, you know, Jesus, because he's just a nice person, didn't say, uh, what do you think all that was? But here's the point about God. 
Jesus says it's evil and adulterous for you to ask for proof. Why is it evil? Real simple. Because God gave you free will. Here's what that means. You have plenty of evidence to know the truth. If you don't want to know it, it's not on him. It's not because he didn't give you plenty of reasons to know. It's that you just chose another way. You just pushed the truth away and you went another direction. Okay? So it's evil for you to ask for proof when God is giving you so much evidence. That's just bad. It's evil. Right? And it's adulterous because he's talking to the people of God, the Jewish people, and they ought to know. They ought to know his voice. And they ought to know how he acts. And they don't. So you've been married now to somebody else and you don't know me anymore. So it's evil and adulterous. But now watch what Jesus does with these guys. He doesn't go that, take that tack. What he does is he just reasons with them to show them how confused they're getting, how stupid they are. Literally. Watch. He knew their thoughts, so he said, any king divided by the civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding falls apart. You say I'm empowered by Satan, but if Satan's divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? Let me, let me paraphrase that and say what he's saying. Tell me, explain to me exactly how in your paranoid, delusional fantasy, sorry, I shouldn't have been looking at you. I should be looking at the floor. <laughs> tell me in your paranoid fantasy, tell me how it is that Satan wins by me setting a guy free. Because see, what most normal people do with me setting him free is say, praise God, he's free. See it? Wow, this guy was afflicted, couldn't speak, and now he's free, and he's in his right mind, and he can speak, and this is cool. Right? That's what the normal person says. Because it is cool. So tell me how God pointing out how delivering somebody from Satan, who's now shown to be a schmuck, okay? Right? Because he would imprison somebody. How is it that Satan gets glory out of that again? Rock, walk me through that reason again. Because I'm trying to show you that you're confused. And the most simple sort of A plus B equals C logical rules are not in play with you anymore. You got it so twisted up that you can think things that are just stupid. Okay? Now, he goes on further and he says this. Uh, if I'm empowered by Satan, how about your exorcist? They cast out demons, so they will condemn you for what you said. Now, let's understand something. Those, the, those Jewish exorcists were casting out demons. Let's just, just get clear what was actually happening there. Watch this. The Jewish exorcists were casting out demons. How and why? What were they doing? Did they have all kinds of incantations and words and formulas? Yes, they did. They had all this wrong-headed understanding about how complicated all this was, and they made it much more complicated, and they had all these rules. And we have books, Jewish books, that we can look at, and we can walk through the incantations and the wordings. And, this, and it's a lot like, the, you know, if you go to the exorcist and you see the Bible smoking and the, and the holy water frying on the skin and, you know, all this stuff. It's a lot like that, which is not true. It's all deception. But here's the point. Thank God that God doesn't hold us to our theology. He answers our hearts. Thank God that you can have bad theology, 
but ask him for help and he'll help you. <laughs> That's what happens. So these Jewish exorcists are trying to help people. And guess what? They're being helped. And Jesus is saying, that's a good thing. <laughs> and when they see this guy get free, they say, good. They don't say, oh, he's doing it by Satan. So he's saying, your own exorcists are judging you. <clears throat> Do you see it? They stand as a witness against you. Got it? You see what Jesus is doing here? I mean, what an answer. You know, we're being people in that day and listening to what's being said. And we know all of this stuff. And it's coming into us. And we're just going, this is unbelievable how Jesus does this. And then he goes on. Well, let's just get to that principle there. Can I just say this one? Can we, would you read it with me, please? I never have you guys do this, but would you? Always try to help people, no matter what. Keep trying. It's who God is. Right? Always try to help people. You got bad theology, but you're trying to help people. It's not great, but good. <laughs> Better that you get the theology straightened out. We see instances of that in the New Testament, right? Hey, they were doing good, but they get straightened out. All right. Always try to help people. You're going to catch flack. So what? Wouldn't you rather be the one that's trying to help somebody? Is it embarrassing? Maybe. I'm going to show you how to do it in a way that's not embarrassing at all, but maybe. You may feel embarrassed by it. All right? Look, if I'm casting out demons by the power of God, this is the most important principle. Thank you. You are so awesome. Thank you. If I'm casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived amongst you. When a strong man like Satan is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe. Until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him strips him of his weapon, and carries off his belongings. What are his belongings, by the way? Let's be clear. Us. That's his belongings. And it's Jesus is carrying those away from him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Okay? Now watch. Jesus is stronger than Satan. That was a really tough one, wasn't it? Now you see, as Christians, we all know this, right? Because we know this much. Jesus is stronger than Satan. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. In the end, I read the end of the book, Jesus wins. Jesus is stronger than Satan. Great. But here's the truth. We're not living it in our actual lives. We're living another thing. We're living another truth. Let me show you what I'm talking about, but let me just briefly just tell you. When I was in seminary, which was 150 years ago, it was very popular. The spiritual warfare was getting huge. This, all this stuff about different spiritual warfare. There was inner healing and there was spiritual mapping and there was all these other things that had come about. And let me just bring one of them up to you, spiritual mapping, because spiritual mapping was this. Uh, somebody took a, spiritual, a sermon from, a scripture from Daniel and then Jesus interviewing the demoniac and they took these various scriptures and they put it together and they said, here's the deal. There's these spiritual principalities and powers, which God did tell us is true. And so we need to map those out so that we can then go out and pray against that demon because we've interviewed the demon and we know what the name of that particular demon over that particular place is. Now let me just say something really clearly. I'm going to show you all this in a second. Let me say something real clearly. The reason why you don't see that anymore is because it's not true. But more deeply, the reason why you don't see it anymore is it's actually anti-biblical. Do you understand something? 
Jesus went to the demoniac and he said, what's your name? That's where they get the interview. That's how you can interview them, right? The answer was legion. Here's what Jesus was doing and not doing. Here's what he was not doing. He wasn't interviewing a demon to get truth and facts from him. Jesus already knew truth and facts. He wanted us to know that there can be more than one demon in a person. And this demoniac that everybody was afraid of and he kept breaking chains and so on was one of these guys. He had a whole bunch of stuff in him. And he wanted us to know that. So he asked him what his name was. The name was Legion. And so now we know there's a bunch of demons in there. But here's what he was not doing. Interviewing a demon. You know what he says to demons more often than ever? One time he asks what the name is. You know what he does almost every other time? Shut up. Be quiet. Don't talk. You're a liar. You deceive. Don't say anything. Shut up. When we, were, when we were spiritually mapping, we were doing something really bad. And here's what the really bad thing was. We are the ones that have authority and should know better and should simply walk in our authority as we're going to see in a second. But what we were doing was is we were giving the right for demonic activity to be in heavenly places because we mapped it out that way. It was us as Christians who were supposed to take authority and cast out and we were saying, no, there's a demon there, and this is what his name is, and now we're going to call him by name and give him all this authority. It was exactly backwards. Okay? Here's what God was doing in all of this stuff that he reveals in Scripture. There's a lot of stuff where he talks about stuff about demonic activity in Scripture. Do we understand that? We have to ask why he was telling us that. And the reason why was not to teach us how to become experts, because I'll tell you what he never did. He never sat down and said, okay, now, here's what I want you to understand. See, he didn't take him into, now, draw it on the chalkboard. Here's this spiritual map, and there's a demon over here, and he answers to this guy, and this guy answers to this guy, and this guy's over here. But if you pray in a certain way, you can break the tie between these two and break the tie between them, and then he'll be on his own, and then you can, all of you, pray together, and then you'll win the battle against him. Now, if you wanted a strategy for how to win a spiritual prayer, that would be it. Here's what Jesus never did. Anything like that. <laughs> Not even close. Okay? Here's what he did do. Now, this is the spiritual principle. There are spiritual things going on around us all the time. Do you know that? Yes, we do know that. And inside these walls, we'll totally admit it. Outside these walls, in our own lives, a little more gray area. Hopefully it won't be gray anymore. There are spiritual things going around us all the time. Let me take you to the Daniel one that I just described to you. Here's what it says. Daniel's been praying for something, and this angel shows up. And when he gets there, he says, Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I love that. From the first moment that you prayed, the request was heard. Then he says, I've come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit of the prince of kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. I left him there with the spirit of the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. This vision concerns a time yet to come. Now, this is God telling us there's stuff going on out there that you have no idea about. And it's real, and it's deep, and it's multi-layered, and it's out there, and it's, it really is there. That's what's happening here. That's what God wants us to see. That's why he has this angel say it and Daniel record it. 
He wants us to know that it's out there. Okay? But as I've been saying, here's what he doesn't want us to do. Become experts in it. Take a scripture here and a scripture here, and all those two scriptures together must mean this. Because we're misinterpreting when we do that. Because all he's trying to do is he's trying to show us that it's out there. And in fact, let me show you. In a place where, where God himself is talking about how we get all twisted up around our own axle because we've gotten to places that are not true because we've been led into deception as we've tried to unlock deeper secrets. Do you guys know what Gnosticism is? You've heard of Gnosticism, right? Gnosticism became a big problem fairly soon after, about 100 years after it started up. And for two or 300 years, it was really a big problem, particularly at about 200 AD into 300 AD. Gnosticism, and here's what Gnosticism was. There's many ways to explain it, but I'm going to keep it simple. Gnosticism was this idea that there's, there's, there's deeper knowledge out there to be had but only certain people get to know it. You want to hear a great lie? Eat the fruit. It'll make you wise. You hear it? The same lie in the garden is the same lie that Gnosticism was, is the same lie that we buy into when we found, quote-unquote, deeper truths. Now, if I'm stepping on toes, feel free to talk to me. But I'm trying to lay this out biblically because what I want you to see is here's a time when this is, this is one of the later books written and this is when Gnosticism is starting to be an issue. And this is not about Gnosticism proper, but it's close enough. And the spirit of it certainly carries. And watch this. This is Jude. Nevertheless, these dreamers, and if you translate dreamers, it's vain imaginations. People that are conjuring and making up things in their own head about how things are. These dreamers, and another way of saying it is those who claim authority from their dreams. They had a dream, and so I have this, see? And they're getting this from a vain imagination, from a dreaming place, not from truth and reality. They're getting something from somewhere else that isn't actually true, but they think it is. These dreamers defile their flesh, reject authority, and they blaspheme um, glorious ones. You've heard people, and you've seen in the movies, Satan, I, I command you, and you know, they pronounce a reviling you, scumbag, or whatever. You see what I mean? And they command this, this reviling accusation against him. But now watch. Yet Michael the archangel, when he was disputing with the devil in a debate about Moses' body, dared not bring an abusive condemnation against him. I just realized I did that earlier in the sermon, didn't I? Did not bring a, a condemnation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now this is God trying to teach us, right? When we're sitting there, we understand that we have more authority. But then we sit there and we exercise that authority in some prideful, in some egotistical, in some vain imagination, in some command that you're telling Satan what to do because you know the secret keys to all the kingdoms of all the world. You see? When you do that, what happens? You get twisted around the axle. You get deceived. What is God telling us to do? What is God telling us that even Michael, the archangel, you know what an archangel means? Big one. <laughs> strong one. Really strong one. Important one. So Michael, the archangel, 
dared not do what people do all the time. What did he do? I stand in the authority of Christ. I stand in the authority of God. The Lord rebuke you. You see it? So what's he trying to teach us? Keep it simple, stupid. And I can use stupid here because we are. Because we really don't know everything that's out there. We've been told it's out there in many different ways. We're quite aware of the fact it's out there. But you do not know what it is. The only thing that you do know, the thing that you've been taught to know is, all you need to know is the authority you have in Christ. That's what you're supposed to become an expert in. Who he is, who he is, and you, who you are in him. When you become an expert in that, what do what the demons do when they get around Jesus? Yeah. You, you know, you know I'm here. I'm toast. <laughs> what are you going to do to me? <coughs> Thank you. I will drink it in a second. I'm just afraid what's going to happen if I do. You see that? He's going after authority. Let me show you how much he's going after authority. Watch this. Okay? When I was in seminary, all this stuff was happening. I went to the Lord and I said, teach me. There's stuff happening here that feels extra biblical. Feels like deception more than truth. I need to know what's true. Teach me. He said, read the whole of the New Testament and look at every time when anybody said anything to a demon. Just look for that. So I read it from Matthew through to Revelation. And, here, and here's what I found. Three things. One time it was spoken one way. One time it was spoken another way. And all the rest of them all fall under one category of about six different kinds of words, maybe seven different kinds of words that all come under one category. That's it. There's, there's no bed spinning and pee and heads and there's no you know, pea soup being spit out is what I meant to say. <laughs> here's the authority. Here's, here's the first one. Peter, get behind me, Satan. I, I'm going to pull another principle out of here that I didn't put up on the principle board. Was Peter possessed? Was he oppressed? I have no idea. I don't know what to say. He was influenced. Clearly he was being influenced. Clearly to the point that God had to say, get behind me, Satan, to Peter's face. There was something going on in him that was doing that. <clears throat> I want to say something to you. I probably say that to thoughts that I have 10, 15 times a day. Because I'll have a thought that I'll recognize is not God's plan. Why? Because I spent time in my devotional and I know what the non-God sounds like. And I'll know that there's something being said that isn't God and that wants to tempt me. And I'll say, get thee behind me. Actually, I don't. I say, get thee behind Jesus because I'd rather have him behind Jesus than me. <laughs> but I say it all the time. Because I have thoughts all the time that are being influenced in ways that aren't godly. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are godly. Think on those things. Right? 
And when something else comes in, take every thought captive that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Stand in your authority and get rid of it. Just call it out. I, I'm telling you, if you want to know, we, we, the principle we're working off of the big one today is start small and work your way up. If you want to know how to start on all this demonic thing, start looking at the thoughts that you have and start realizing that some of them are not from God. And that they're actually not just from nowhere, they're actually from somebody who's trying to deceive you. And take authority over that. Start standing in the fact and the truth of the scripture that says resist the devil and he will flee. You see it? Start doing that. Start doing that a lot. You know why? Because it's happening a lot. Okay? All right? Now, here's the second one, that second big category. Okay? Here's how it goes. This is Jesus' first healing. We see it in Luke 2. But here's the demon starts to speak up and says, I know who you are, most high God. And he says, be quiet. <laughs> now, look what he was saying. The demon wasn't actually saying an untruth. He was saying something that was true. Who, I know who you are. And he was. <laughs> and Jesus says, shut up. <laughs> Be quiet. Come out of the man. That's it. And guess what happened? It did. <laughs> Watch. Amazement gripped the audience. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. Authority. You see it? Watch. If you want to see a New Testament example that's not Jesus, if you want to see somebody learning from Jesus and doing what Jesus did and having the same results, Paul is walking around one time and a, and a girl with a divining spirit is being used for profit. Paul is walking with this girl and, and this girl is saying, these are prophets from the Most High God, which was true again. But at some point in time, Paul just said enough of this and he turns to her and he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out. <laughs> no big ritual ceremony. No five steps and just simple. Simple, 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 but with authority. And here's the last one. We've already looked at it. The Lord rebuke you. I want to show you what the Lord did in that. He taught me this, and here's, here's what he did. This is not an incantation. If you say these words and don't mean it, you'll remember something. There's a guy, there's a bunch of Jewish exorcists who are working with somebody who's demon-possessed, and, and they say, we adjure you in the name of Jesus and Paul, and, and in the name of Jesus and Paul whom, who preaches Jesus. I've got the wording wrong there. But he says, we adjure you in the name of Jesus and Paul who does what Jesus does, Right? And the demon says back to him, well, Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? <laughs> he jumps on them, beats them up, and they run away naked. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. If you think saying certain words is magic, it isn't. What we need to be doing all the time, what we need to be doing is we need to stand in the authority that God has given us. Which means I did research and God gave me something to do that, that, that is my shorthand way of proclaiming authority in the moment. You need to find your own. You can take this one if you want, but you got to get to where it's real. Because you can't say, I adjure you in the name of that little formula that Kurt taught me. Because I hope they're going to say, Jesus I know and Kurt I know. Okay? Right? 
But watch this. This is, this is what, to say, what I say. Can I say, if you've prayed with me for any length of time, I mean, if you've been around me for any length of time and heard me pray, you've heard me pray this multiple, multiple times. Get behind Jesus, Satan. Come out or be gone and do not come back. The Lord rebuke you. Everyone's, well, I had to come back because about half the time when Jesus tells someone to come out, he'll say something like, don't come back. Okay? Now, I want to show you how natural this is. Come on. Yeah. Okay, now, whack! <laughs> He's not down yet. Whack again! Okay. Just like staff. <laughs> it's not like that at all, I promise. Now, we're praying, and I do Jenny Alkoski. I do it right. And what I do is, is I, before, he, I'm praying for him, but I don't know what to pray or how to pray. So what I do is I just pray in the spirit. Maybe I do so out loud. Maybe I do so in myself. It just depends on the person, whether or not they're going to, you know, if it's going to freak them out, I don't freak people out, right? But what I do is I pray in the spirit, and I ask God what to pray for. If I discern that there's a spiritual dimension to it, here's what I do. I just say, uh, you know, I'll just say, uh, get thee behind Jesus. I'll just say something, and then I'll say, get thee behind Jesus. Be gone and don't come back. The Lord rebuke you. And then I'll move right back into my prayer. Because I've discerned something happening. Now, every once in a while, I'll even say, you know what? I feel like there's a spiritual dimension to this. And so I'm just going to take authority over it right now. You cool with that? Can I tell you, I've asked that question of, Hundreds of people. And I've done what I just said with thousands of people. Do you know I've never had one person freak out on me? What are you doing? Are you saying I'm demon possessed? Are you, what are you saying? What are you, do you see what I'm doing? I'm just taking authority. Can I show you something that we do that I think is really bad? I'm not. I almost, I don't even want to do it. I, I'm going to do it to the air. I think you have a spirit of death. I think you have a spirit of lust. I think you have a spirit of whatever the name is, Jezebel. Who, I don't care what it is. I think you have a spirit of so on. Can I say, I think that's some of the worst words that ever come out of our mouth. I can tell you they never came out of Jesus's. And here's why they're so bad. Think of the analogy. I love to pray for people for healing before they go to the doctor. You know why? Because once they go to the doctor and they get the 25-cent word and the big prognosis and all the medicines, they own their diagnosis as much as they're ever going to own God. And it's very hard to break through in faith and pray for their healing. But before people have got a diagnosis, we pray that the doctor finds nothing. And you can say, well, of course they didn't find anything because sometimes they're not going to find anything. Can I just tell you, when I pray that, about 80 to 90% of the time the doctor finds nothing. And it's not that high of a rate for people just not finding anything. I'm telling you, I think a lot of people get healed just because they can believe more before they get the diagnosis. And I think it's the same way when we say over somebody, you have a spirit of death, or you have a, and they name the spirit. And what they're thinking is, if I name the spirit, I can take authority over it. But what they've actually done is caused it to imprint in this person's mind to where they don't have, they, they're freaked out now. All they're thinking is, oh my God, I have a spirit of death? And you're praying, they're not listening to you. They're going, oh my God, what does that mean? And then that, that, that lie eats and eats and eats and eats and eats at them because they're giving them place. Do you see it? Thank you. 
You're free. Thank you. Was that Joe? A good joke. Who was it? Anyway, was it Calvin? Whoever it was, that was funny. He said, you're free. And he was sat down. Are we getting this? Keep it simple. Stay in authority. Don't do these other things that are, that are Christianese, that have come up through our things, because there's deception in them. There's harm in them. When we get outside the Bible, we get into places of harming people. We don't want to do that to people, do we? We're trying to help them, right? So let me take that one. Jesus is stronger than Satan, so let me take those three and collapse them into, so stand and proclaim in his, your authority. We've just got two more things we're doing. Anyone who isn't with God opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Right here, what he's talking about is this, real simple. Those people that said that he was doing it out of Satan were opposing him. See? But do you understand the spirit? What I'm saying right now is I'm saying the spirit's true too, that when you're doing things that are extra biblical, you're opposing the things of God. You're bringing something in that isn't him. You shouldn't be doing that, okay? When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, waterless places, searching for rest. This is another big one. If I'm stepping on a toe, please, I love you. We're small. Come talk to me. We can do this. That's why we do this. Okay? Come talk to me. If you don't agree with me, that's fine. Show me where I'm wrong. Right now, I'm trying to show you what I've learned. If you got more, you know me. I'll take it. I'll bring it to everybody. But here's what I'm trying to say. All the time, we think that there's demons in stuff. A Buddha statue, and there's a spirit in that Buddha statue, or a, or a, you know, or a, a thing that was prayed over, and so there's a spirit inside that thing that was prayed over. And you got to get it out of your house, and that's why everything's wrong in your life because that thing is in your life. Or you walk into an occult bookstore and you think there's demons in here, you know, what I mean, in the walls, like a ghost in a house. Okay. Waterless places. Here's what's being said: demons are parasites. They they were created to be connected to the life that is God, and that's how they would stay alive. And what happens is when they're separated from God, they're in a desert place, a place of thirst. And they're longing for thirst. And what they're trying to do is get attached as a parasite to you who has life in you, whether you're saved or not. You're connected with God before you're separated, right? And so they're just trying to suck off of the life that you have. And so don't think that they're in things. And if you do think that they're in things, then please, before you come talk to me, figure out how to answer this scripture because here's what Paul says about demons being in things. As to eating food offered to idols, you know what they were doing? They would pray over a piece of meat and what they said they were doing was they were putting the spirit of that God in that meat so that when you ate that spirit, you were taking that spirit inside of you and now that spirit would be in you. Do you see this? Well, that's pretty bad, Right? And here's what Paul says. It's just hocus pocus nonsense. An idol is a dead thing. There's no life in an idol. It's just something carved with hands. Or it's just a piece of meat. There's no spirit in it. Right? Food offered to idols. We know that an idol has no real existence. And there's no spirit in it. Okay? If you want to eat the meat, your conscience is clear. Eat the meat. But do understand, some people really do think there's a spirit in there. And if they eat that meat, then they're going to be giving place for that spirit in their life. Is it true that there's a spirit in there? No. But they give it place by thinking that there is. Do you see it? This is why this is so important. 
Although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, some, through former associated with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, as the spirit really being in the meat, and their conscience being weak is defiled. See what I mean? They've now given place to that, that demonic. This is why I say it's so important in this area to do what's biblical and nothing else because there's such a minefield sitting out there. So stick with what Jesus did. Which is, when it finds none, it says, I'll return to that person I came from. So it returns, finds its former home, is swept and in order. The spirit finds seven spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter that person and live there. So that person is worse off than before. And here's what the principle is from that one. It should be super simple. Fill yourself up with God. <laughs> right? Whatsoever things are pure and are noble and are worthy, whatsoever things are godly, put that in. I'm not going to take any questions. We're too late. I just can't. You can come up afterwards and talk to me if you want, though. I'd love to, okay? But here's what I want to do. Fill yourself up with God, okay? So, so there it is. One passage, lots of references. Tried to keep it simple. If I, if I had to boil it down so you only have to remember one thing because nobody can remember all five, but Jesus is stronger than Satan, so stand and speak in his authority. If I had to say that there was a second that was really important, I would say always try to help people. Always try to help people. Figure out what it is that they actually need, right? Discern what it is and spend so much time with God that you know who, what God's really saying, right? And not other, some other thing. And then go help people. And when we do that, it's so natural and real that even people who don't agree with us, who don't understand it, bear witness to it. Here's what I'm saying. If you just walked down the street and said, did you know that there's demonic spirits? People go, you're crazy. People that don't know the Lord. If you go to people and say, are you aware of the fact that there are things that are influencing your life? Here's what most people say. Yeah, I feel it. I wouldn't, they're not labeling demonic, they're not labeling it, but they feel like there's stuff that's trying to influence them in ways that isn't good. People feel that. And when we get kooky or when we get overly dramatic or when we go to all these places, people don't bear witness with it and they shouldn't because it's not true. And then, and here's what's happening, by people going to extra biblical places, even Christians say, I don't know what to make of it, so I'm staying away from it too. Here's what I'm trying to do today. You can't stay away from it, not if you're going to help people. You want to help yourself? Don't stay away from this. Are there thoughts in your mind that are trying to take captive, that are trying to influence you? Yes. And the scripture tells us take those thoughts captive. Start with yourself. And then when you're praying for somebody, ask God what to pray for. And if you feel that there's something demonic in there, say, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out. You don't even have to tell them what you're saying. It doesn't matter what they think. Did it matter to any of the demoniacs what they thought about this? Whose authority and what situation was it that was in play here? The authority that was being had over the demon. That was it. So what they do is they just said, be gone. And you can just say, be gone. And you know what you're saying and he knows what you're saying. Do you see it? I really believe something. C.S. Lewis in Screw Tape Letters says, the reason why people aren't more aware of this is because Satan has figured out that if he just keeps it on the down low, people will ignore it entirely. And then Satan can have his way. I believe we need to bring this into the light.
We need to do what Jesus did. We need to understand that this is happening all the time in our world, and it's terrible. But you don't need to become an expert at it. You just need to stand in the authority that you have. And when you discern it, take authority over it. I'm telling you, if you'll start doing that in your own thought life, you'll see sometimes you'll rebuke something, and it turns out that probably wasn't supposed to be rebuked, and you'll get it over time. And sometimes you'll rebuke something, and you'll go, wow, that thing kind of went away. Wow, I do have authority. Now I'm praying for somebody. Take authority. You see it? Can we just agree as a body, as a family, that we're going to be real? Because i got to tell you, you don't ever have to be embarrassed about real. You know why? Because it'll help people. And they'll appreciate what you're doing. And it'll bring them to Christ. So Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, would you take this family and would you bring us to you? And I mean flat out, would you bring us to you? Not all this other stuff. Would you strip us from all of the baggage and Christianese and things that we'd learned that weren't necessarily you? Would you strip us from what was not you so that we could become you and you alone? God, we recognize that for reasons on both sides of the, of the, of the narrow path, one side being we don't believe in it or we're too embarrassed about it or we just don't understand it so we avoid it. And the other side being that we've become experts in ways that really weren't so expert. No matter which ditch we've been in and all of us have probably been in both of them at some point. I certainly have. But God, would you show us the narrow way that is you. We recognize that in staying in one ditch or the other we have broken our lives and robbed it of things that were important, not just ours, but others. Would you take your finger and break that bread for having broken your life and others? And now, Lord God, we lift up this life that we have broken by our action and inaction. And we take it knowing that Jesus Christ makes us whole.